Um, before we just get into the word, why don't we just uh, come before the Lord in time of prayer again? Father, we come to you this morning, and not just this morning, but we want to come to you every morning looking to know you more. So, Father, we pray, we ask that you would help us to open up our minds, to open up our hearts, to open up our hands, so that we might be able to know who you are and how you would want us to be with you. Teach us what is on your heart, and may you place those things on our hearts as well. And if anything, Lord, may you continue to have in our minds an image of Christ, one whom we can follow, one whom we can imitate, one whom we can trust and rest upon. And so, Father, as we dive into your word this morning, as we seek to meet you and to learn from you and to sit at your feet, would you help us by your Holy Spirit to understand all the things that will be shared. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, I just want to start off this morning by asking you guys a question. Okay. I'm going to ask you guys a question. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? I think if you guys think about it for a second, many of us, when we think about the word wisdom, another word comes up to mind, uh, the word knowledge. And we try to define wisdom, we try to understand wisdom by making a distinction between knowledge and wisdom. Right? We often say knowledge is, is something where we understand things, where we know facts, where we have information in our heads, whereas wisdom is seen as something that goes beyond that. Wisdom is where we understand what to do with those facts, what to do with, these, with this information. In fact, sometimes when we think and we compare and contrast wisdom with knowledge, we look at wisdom and, and sometimes it has a negative connotation, right? We might say wisdom is, can be cold, Right? Wisdom can be heartless, where, where someone might has, have head knowledge, but you know, their heart isn't in there. Whereas wisdom, when we think about wisdom, it's always in a positive sense. Right? We, we look at wisdom and, 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 and we see it as the ability to apply what we know, the ability to apply knowledge. Now with that, we might begin to think about wisdom in terms of experience. Right? Just think about it for a moment. When you guys think about looking for wise counsel, when you guys think about looking for wise advice, right, who do you guys go to? Where do you guys go? You guys probably do not turn to those who are inexperienced. Instead, you guys go and you guys ask questions to those who have gone before you, who have walked a path in front of you, right? Those who have probably experienced more life than we have. We go to those who have already gone through the issues of life that maybe we are currently going through, so that why? So that we might be able to pick their brain. We might be able to glean from them. We might be able to go to them for sage advice so that we can help navigate our lives in this season here and now. And so we copy what they do well and we avoid what they do wrong. And so not only do we think of wisdom as simply the ability to apply knowledge, but we begin to think of wisdom as the ability to navigate our lives well. Right? But, but obviously, wisdom can't just be that. We, we are in a church, and we're all believers of the Lord, I pray. And so we think of wisdom, and we might begin to think that wisdom obviously has to relate with God, right? 
And perhaps a verse comes to your mind, a verse like the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And so we begin to understand that wisdom is supposed to help us in our relationship with God, in our walk with God, right? And maybe we begin to think that wisdom is what helps us make decisions to properly follow God and obey his commands. And so not only is wisdom the ability to apply knowledge, not only is wisdom the ability to navigate our life well, but wisdom becomes the ability to obey God properly, right? To do what he asks. Now, obviously, just from that short list, it becomes obvious that we have a high regard for wisdom, right? But my initial question was, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? Is wisdom simply the ability to apply knowledge? Is wisdom simply the ability to navigate our lives well? Is wisdom simply the ability to do what is supposed to be right in God's eyes? Or is there more to that? You see, I think that there's truth in all of these things, right? That they are all good and all true, just what I said. But I think if we leave wisdom to those three points, then they fall short. They, fall, they become incomplete. And so this morning, what I want us to do simply is I want us to dive into Scripture to help us fill out our understanding of what wisdom from above looks like. All right, and I'm not saying I'm confident in my own understanding of wisdom to say that after this message, you will have a complete picture of what wisdom encompasses. But my hope and my desire is that as we dive into God's word, right, that our understanding of wisdom, and not just wisdom, but wisdom that comes from God would just be able to grow more and more, that would be able to grow according to his truth revealed to us in his word and revelation. And from there, I want us to increasingly see our need for wisdom and what it might look like for us to seek wisdom. Okay, so that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to fill out our understanding of what wisdom is. And like I mentioned earlier, I don't need to convince any single one of you guys that wisdom is a good thing, right? I highly doubt if I go to any of you guys and ask you, would you like to have more wisdom, you would say no. You would obviously say yes, right? We all want more wisdom. Practically speaking, we, we, we want wisdom, especially when we find ourselves in a situation where we have to make a decision, where we have to make a choice, where we find ourselves in a crossroads in our life and we don't know what to do. And so we look to God to say, God, would you give us wisdom so that we might know how to make a right decision? We want to do what is best for ourselves. And so we ask God to give us guidance. We ask God to give us wisdom. We ask God to give us discernment. Why? Because we want to make the good, right, the best decision in our lives. All right, just think about it this way. Maybe some of you guys are married and you guys have kids. And maybe they're young, maybe they're a little bit older, but you guys are still trying to figure out how to raise them best. You want to do a good job and you don't want to mess it up. And so you are trying to figure out in your mind and also with the Lord, God, what do you want me to do? And maybe they're young, and so you're thinking, okay, time is limited for them, and so how should I allow them to spend their time? What should I allow them to participate in? Should I have them be involved in sports? Should I have them and push them towards the music and the arts? Right? Or maybe you notice that they spend a lot of time online, a lot of time on social media, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, what do I do with that? How do I manage that situation? And so you ask God, God, would you give me guidance? Would you give me wisdom? Maybe there's some of you guys here who are going through financial difficulties, 
right? You look at your bank accounts, you look at your bills, you look at your expenses, and you notice to yourself, and, and you make note to yourself that you are struggling um, just maybe a little bit more than you would hope for. And you're trying to figure out, based upon the dreams that you have, the plans that you have for the future, what you should be doing to alleviate that situation, to alleviate your financial difficulty. You might think to yourself, should I be looking to get another job, a higher paying job? Should I be trying to find some way to make some extra income? Should I downsize my house? Should I redo my budget? God, give me guidance. God, give me wisdom. Or maybe it's even as simple as just being here at church, right? And maybe some of you guys are new here at church and, and you, you want to be involved, but you don't know how. And here at Evergreen, there's so many opportunities to serve in so many different capacities. And so you ask God, God, would you help me find the place where it best fits me? Give me guidance. Give me wisdom. And so it's clear that we know that wisdom is so valuable. It's very valuable. In fact, if you guys think about it, if you think about one of the characters in the Bible is that we often praise, it's a man by the name of King Solomon. And if you guys recall, King Solomon is one of the Israelite kings that God had appointed, who we might know as the wisest man in all of Scripture. Right? He was the son of King David. And for those of you guys who don't know, during King David's rule, a lot of things happened. King David was a great king. He was able to unite all the tribes of Israel. He was able to fight off all of, uh, or many of Israel's enemies. And he was able to even set up the capital of Israel in the city of Jerusalem. But what happens is that David passes away and Solomon inherits all of this. And, and, and we even read, if you guys can turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 2, we even read that as David passes away, as David is about to leave the earth, he gives words to his son in 1 Kings chapter 2. And so I'll just read that for us. David's words to his son Solomon. Starting in verse 1, it says this, As the time approached for David to die, he instructed his son Solomon, As for me, I am going the way of all the earth. But for you, be strong and be courageous like a man, and keep your obligations to the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, commands, ordinances, and decrees. This is written in the law of Moses so that you will have success in everything that you do and wherever you turn and so that the Lord will carry out his promise that he made to me. If your sons are careful to walk faithfully before me with their whole mind and heart, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. So these are David's last words to King Solomon. And it shouldn't be new to us. It shouldn't be a surprise to us. God has obviously made a covenant with King David before about how he will keep someone from King David's bloodline on the throne of Israel forever. But not only that, we also shouldn't be surprised by this text because as King David tells King Solomon to love the Lord your God and to keep his statue, ordinances, decrees, and commands, that isn't news to us. Right? That's what God requires, not just of King David, not just of King Solomon, but all of us. We saw this back even when Moses was not able to enter into promised land and God raised up Joshua, and he told Joshua the exact same thing. And so it's a good thing for us to read and notice that by the time we get to the next chapter, by the time we get to chapter 3, where we're going to sit for a while, Solomon is actually in a good spot. Solomon is actually obeying and responding well to what his father David says. So if you guys turn your Bible to chapter 3 to the next page, 
I'm going to just read in verse 3. It says this. It says, Solomon loved the Lord by walking in the statutes of his father David, and he sacrificed and, and burned incense on the high places. And, and just to quick, make a quick note, just in case any of you guys have any hesitations regarding that verse um, where it says, but he also sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Um, Solomon here is obviously desiring to worship God, but the temple does not yet exist. Right? And so there is no temple in the city of Jerusalem. And so he most likely seeks to simply honor God by um, burning incense. But the, the point I want to really focus on is the fact that in verse 3, the first part of it, it says that Solomon loved the Lord by walking in the statutes of his father, David. Everything that David asked Solomon to do, Solomon is doing. And we know that Solomon is doing so well, in fact, that he has this dream and in this dream, God comes to him and presents to him this incredible gift. And so I'll just read that in verse 4. It says, The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there because it was the most famous high place. He offered a thousand burnt offerings at that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said to him, Ask, what should I give you? The Lord goes before Solomon and says, ask, what should I give you? And let's just take a pause. For those of you guys who might know your scripture, this might bring about a familiar story to you. All right? God goes before Solomon and says to Solomon, Solomon, you can have whatever you want. Just ask of me of it. Right? And so what does Solomon ask for? Maybe in our minds we immediately know and think that Solomon asks for wisdom. He asked for wisdom so that he could be a wise man. And in our minds, we think that God is pleased with such a request for wisdom. And God grants it, and Solomon becomes the wisest man throughout the history of Israel. And we know that Solomon is even the author of most of the book of Proverbs. And that's what most of us remember as we think of this scenario, as we think of this event. But what I want us to do is I want us to just look back at it again and just read slowly through the text. Solomon does ask for wisdom, but he asked for much more. And so as we read through the text, I want us to see what's on Solomon's heart. I want us to see what God is delighted with, and I want us to see why God is delighted with Solomon's request. And so Solomon responds to God, right? God speaks to Solomon and says, Ask, what should I give you? Solomon replies to the Lord, You have shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You have continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. And so beginning right off the bat, Solomon is aware of who God is. Solomon understands that the one who offers him this gift of asking for whatever it's on his heart, that this is a God who is good, this is a God who is great, this is a God who is faithful. He has shown love and care to his father David and now Solomon knows that he will show love and care to himself as he walks after the Lord. And it is based on these things that he now makes this request before the Lord. And, and this is where I really want us to just pay attention. Starting in verse 7, it says this, Lord my God, you have now made your servant king in my father's David's place, speaking of himself. Yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. Your servant is among your people you have chosen, a people too numerous to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an obedient heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. 
For who is able to judge this great people of yours? I don't know about your Bibles, but my Bibles didn't have the word um, wisdom in there just yet. You see, when God asks Solomon, what should I give you? Solomon doesn't immediately respond saying, God, give me wisdom. I want to be a wise person. No. What is on Solomon's heart? What does Solomon ask for? Solomon asks for an obedient heart, an understanding heart, a hearing heart, a heart that encompasses his mind, right, his affections, and even his will to what end, to what purpose, right? Solomon asked for this heart so that he could judge God's people. Solomon asked for this heart so that he could discern between good and evil. Solomon asked for this heart so that he could care for this great people of God. You see, what was heavy on Solomon's heart is not simply his own deficiencies or inadequacies, Right? Just think about this. King Solomon's a young man, and his father is this great king, and now he has to fill in his father's shoes. Right? And, and, and King David has done all these mighty acts. Right? He's united this kingdom. He's cast out the enemies. He's even brought the capital, um, capital of Israel to Jerusalem. And now Solomon sees all of this. He says, there is, your people is too numerous to be counted or numbered. Right? What shall I do? What is heavy on Solomon's heart? What is burdening Solomon's heart is not simply that he is youthful. It's not simply that he is focused on his inexperience. It's not even the fact that he has this great task before him. What burdens and what sits heavy on Solomon's heart is that he desires to lead God's people well. He does not want to see the people around him suffer if he could do anything about it. He doesn't ask for obedient heart. He doesn't ask for wisdom for his own sake. He asks for wisdom, an understanding heart, a hearing heart, so that he could specifically bless and care for others, for God's people. So let's see how God responds to that request. In verse 10, it says right away, Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. This request pleased God. Right? Why did it please God? It says it pleased God because Solomon, in verse 11, did not request, uh, request did it, requested this and did not ask for long life, right? which only benefits himself, or even riches for himself, which only benefits himself, or even the death of his own personal enemies. But he asked for discernment to understand justice. And so God responds joyfully and he says, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no man in any kingdom will be your equal during your entire life if you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands just as your father David did. I will give you a long life. You see, when we think of wisdom, we just think of us being wise, us making good choices. But here in 1 Kings 3, the Lord shows us, the Lord tells us that wisdom is different, that his wisdom is different. When we ask for wisdom, we're just looking to make the best decisions for ourselves. 
We're looking in terms of how to make the right choices in raising up our kids. We're wanting to make the right financial decisions to benefit our, our own lives. We're looking to even make the right choices in terms of what ministry we want to be involved with so that we can be doing well at church. And even if you take a step back from there and you look at it, why do we ask for wisdom in those circumstances? If we're honest with ourselves, I think that we often look for wisdom because we want to make the right choice. And why do we want to make the right choice? It's because we want to protect ourselves. We want to have ourselves receive the greatest benefit. We want to make the good decisions so that we will be the recipients of good results. We will be the ones who are comfortable and happy. I have this uh, um, example. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, I went to Mexicali a few months ago back during the Easter season. And it was my first time going to Mexicali with the youth um, of Evergreen SGV. And to be honest, I really loved it. It was a great, it was a, a blessed experience to, love, to serve alongside the kids, but also the churches in Mexicali. Um, but to be honest, um, uh, prior to going or, or, or just as I was going in, I was really nervous and I was really anxious about it. I've been to uh, multiple missions trips before and so this isn't my first time overseas or interacting with a new culture, but I was really nervous. And I remember talking to Pastor Terry one day and I was telling him after one of our first training meetings, I was like, man, high school has this weird way of bringing out all my insecurities, right? Like I'd sit with these high schoolers and then I would feel like a freshman again. And because of this, I remember, I remember very specifically that I'd be asking God for help a lot. I'm like, God, would you give me just wisdom? Would you give me guidance in terms of what I'm supposed to be doing in this team? How am I supposed to relate with my other team leaders? How am I supposed to relate with these kids? God, give me wisdom so I can know how to be with them. But if I'm honest, right, a big part of why I was praying those prayers was because I wanted to make sure that I fit in. I wanted to make sure that the kids liked me, right? Maybe more so than even other team leaders. You know, I was simply wanting to make sure that that trip would be a great experience for myself. I was praying that God would give me wisdom so that I can receive the benefits of that. But the thing is that wisdom, God's wisdom, was never meant for our own self-promotion. It was never meant for our own self-help. It was never meant even for our own self-gain. Wisdom was meant to promote God's good order, right? To bring about order in the midst of chaos. Wisdom is about bringing God's values in a broken and sinful world. Wisdom, God's wisdom, is always about helping us understand how we can be a conduit of God's blessing to those around us. Wisdom gives us insight as to how God himself would care for his very own people. And so when we ask for wisdom, we ask because we want to be an extension of God's goodness. We want to be an extension of God's justice and of his righteousness. Solomon desired wisdom. Why? So that he could bless others. That as he saw the masses before him, his heart was so burdened to not just simply let them down, Right, to not, not let them down, but, but more so to make sure that they are lifted up. Solomon desired wisdom so that he can extend God's good hand to all of them, right? to extend God's kingdom here on earth just as it is in heaven. And so yes, Solomon was the wisest man in all of history, 
But God was not simply pleased with the request for general wisdom. God was pleased because Solomon wanted wisdom for the sake of others. God was pleased because Solomon was sharing the same heart that God himself had. So we actually get a picture of this in action. The scriptures show us a picture of this in action in the following verses, starting in verse 16. And it might be a little bit of a weird story, but I'm going to just read it for us. And so you guys can just follow me as I read this. Starting in verse 16, chapter 3, it says, Then two women who were prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One woman said, Please, my lord, this woman and I lived in the same house, and I had a baby while she was in the house. On the third day after I gave birth, she also had a baby, and we were alone. No one else was with us in the house, just the two of us were there. And during the night, this woman's son died because she laid on him. She got up in the middle of the night and then took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She laid him at her breast and put her dead son in my arms. When I got up in the morning to nurse my son, I discovered he was dead. That morning when I looked closely at him, I realized that he was not the son I gave birth to. But the other woman responded, No, my son is the living one. Your son is the dead one. And the first woman said, No, your son is the dead one. My son is the living one. And so they continued to argue before King Solomon. And King Solomon replied saying, You know, this woman says, My son is the one who's alive. And your son's the one who's dead. And the other woman says the same thing. And so what does King Solomon do? King Solomon all of a sudden says, bring me a sword. Sounds really weird, but Solomon says, bring me a sword. And then he says this. He says, cut the living boy in two and give half to one and half to the other. And what happened? The woman whose son was alive spoke to the king because she felt great compassion for her son. My Lord, don't give her the living baby. I mean, sorry, my Lord, give her the living baby, but please don't have him be killed. But the other one was saying, he will not be mine, he will not be yours, cut him in two. And what did King Solomon do? King Solomon correctly gave the living baby to the first woman and said, don't kill him, she is his mother. And so when we read this, we, we see this interesting picture of how right after Solomon makes this request for wisdom so that he can bless others, we see this situation, right? And it's a very interesting situation, but Solomon does what is right and what is good. And notice how the people respond in verse 28. It says in verse 28, it says, All Israel heard about the judgment the king had given, and they stood in awe of the king because they saw that God's wisdom was in him to carry out justice. Right? And you see, the point of God's wisdom, even in Solomon, was not simply for Solomon to see through lies, was not for Solomon simply to be uh, uh, um, protected from being tricked or even see the truth. God's wisdom was in Solomon so that he could specifically carry out justice, so that he could bring about God's good and right order. Right? God's wisdom allowed Solomon to rule in such a way that those who are being taken advantage of would be restored. Right? God's wisdom allowed Solomon to care for those who are vulnerable. Wisdom and justice are exemplified clearly in this example. Wisdom is given to carry out justice. And this justice that, that the scriptures talk about, that God talks about, is not simply the rendering of just simply a right verdict. Justice isn't about punishing 
those who are evildoers and just stopping there. That's a part of it, but that's not all of it. Justice is also enabling those who have had their rights stripped away. It's about providing dignity to those who have lost it. It's about caring for those who are disenfranchised, those who are on the outskirts of society. Therefore, with God's wisdom, Solomon brings forth justice, right? What did Solomon do in this scenario? It's not that he saw through the lies that was important. That was not the important reality of the story. It's that he brought low the woman who lies and manipulates, and then he lifted up the woman who was being taken advantage of. Wisdom allowed Solomon to increase the welfare of God's people. And even after that, there's another episode that we can see God's wisdom in Solomon in action. You see, right after just chapter 3, we continue to read, and we'll see that there's a lot of chapters covering the tabernacle. I mean, the building of the temple, sorry. And so Solomon builds the temple, but why is this right after the wisdom part of the text? And I think what's going on is that as Solomon is building the temple, we have to understand what the temple represents. The temple represents the place where God dwells. And so if the temple is in Jerusalem, that means God dwells in the city of Jerusalem. That means God's kingdom, God's culture, God's values is supposed to be established here in Jerusalem with Israel through Solomon. And so just as God is represented um, in the temple, so are his values. And just as God gave wisdom to Solomon to allow him to bring about God's kingdom culture, the temple itself represents that this land is supposed to be God's kingdom. It's supposed to be a place where God's values, God's character reigns, where the welfare of God's people are benefited. And so when we get to 1 Kings chapter 10, you guys can turn there. We get to 1 Kings chapter 10. We come across this interesting story about this queen, this queen of Sheba, this foreigner queen who hears about King Solomon and all the wonderful things that he's doing in Israel, in Jerusalem, and she wants to see it for her own eyes, with her own eyes. And so she goes and visits King Solomon, and she's amazed by what she says, sees. In fact, she's so amazed that in verse 6, she says this. She says, The report I heard in my own country about your words and your wisdom is true, but I didn't believe the reports until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, I was not even told half. Your wisdom and prosperity far exceed the report I heard. How happy are your men. How happy are these servants of yours who always stand in the presence hearing your wisdom. May the Lord your God be praised. He delighted in you and put you on the throne of Israel because of the Lord's eternal love for who? Not for Solomon, but for Israel. He has made you king to a purpose to carry out justice and righteousness. How happy are your men. How happy are these servants of yours who always stand in the presence hearing your wisdom. God has delighted in you and put you on the throne of Israel because of the Lord's great eternal love for Israel so that you could carry out justice and righteousness. See, this is a picture of God's wisdom at work. Where people, where God's people is being built up, right? Where their affections are restored to happiness and joy. Where their aim is also towards praise of God, 
You see, God delighted, as it says, to put Solomon with all this wisdom on the throne. Why? Not for Solomon's sake, right? But for Israel's sake, for God's people. Wisdom helps build the society that God desires, a place where men would walk rightly before God and others, right? Wisdom helps us see a kingdom where we begin to love the Lord, follow our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Wisdom begins to help us love one another as we would love ourselves. Wisdom begins to help us follow Jesus' commands that he calls us to love one another just as he loved us. And so with all of this, you know, this morning, as I asked the question in the very beginning, what is wisdom? I hope that we begin to see wisdom is more than just about us making the right choices for our own lives. And my challenge for us is that we would go beyond the normal routine of how we ask God for wisdom, right? Let us go beyond just asking God to help us make the right choices to choose and, and, and make the right decisions, right? To know how to best raise our children or to know how to best make the right financial decisions or even the best ministry to get involved with. Like, let's continue to pray for those things, right? Let's continue to pray for guidance, for directions, for discernment and wisdom regarding those things. But let us consider what it might begin to look like for us in our own lives to pray for wisdom so that we could care and we can love and we can bless those God has placed around us. Right. What would it look like for us to ask God for wisdom so that we can increase the welfare of those who are in the circles God has placed us in? What would it look like for us to ask God for wisdom so that we can be vessels, we can be his hands that administer his grace, mercy, and justice? Right? As we might humble the proud but raise the meek. And so perhaps some of you guys might be thinking right now, how do I ask God for wisdom for those things, right? And it's simple. Just think about where God has placed you at, right? For Solomon, he found himself in this position where he had to take care of a multitude of Israelites, of God's people. And that sat heavy on his heart so much so that he ran towards God to ask for wisdom to bless them. And so where in our lives can we run to God to ask for wisdom to bless others, right? Is there family trouble at your house, at home? Tensions that arise from broken relationships and, and maybe you're not even involved. Maybe you're just caught in the middle of it. Maybe you can begin asking God for a hearing heart so that you might be able to know what it looks like to establish order in the midst of chaos. Ask God for wisdom so that you might know how to mediate that situation. How, how to help cultivate Christ's love in the midst of anger and frustration and hardship. Maybe you guys are part of a group at work or some here, here at church and you guys begin to notice that there are people on the fringes, right? People who don't seem to have others to talk to or hang out with. And that might be happening at work, maybe on a recreational team, maybe even here at a church ministry, at a men's group or a women's group. Right, at a branch, ask God for wisdom. Ask God to give you a hearing heart, an obedient heart, an understanding heart to know what it might look like for you to begin caring and meeting for those people's needs. Right? Ask God for wisdom as to how you might be able to bring them effectively into the fold of community. Or perhaps you might even find yourself in a new job situation whether it be a new job altogether or a new position or maybe even working with a new team. 
And as you've enjoyed it shortly, you begin to find yourself not knowing what your role is there, what you're supposed to do, right? And begin to ask God for wisdom in that situation, not simply so that you can do a good job yourself and be satisfied and wipe off your hands, but ask God for wisdom so that you might be able to ascertain what it looks like to bless the company, to bless your boss, to bless your coworkers, to bless those below you. You see, God is looking to give us wisdom. He wants us to ask for wisdom, but not wisdom simply for ourselves, but wisdom for others. Because God doesn't just care for me and you, but God cares for all of his creation. God desires to see all of his creation to slowly come into restoration. And you guys know that those of us here who, who believe in Christ, God has called us to be his witnesses. God has called us to be his representatives. God has called us to be his light in this world here and now. And so as we pursue to walk faithfully after God in this way, let's ask God to give us wisdom so that we might be able to be vessels of blessing and of his grace, mercy, and justice. And if there's anything for you guys to just have an image of, if there's anything for you guys to just cling on to and hold on to, just think about who is the one that we ultimately seek to imitate. Who is the one that basically embodies wisdom as he was here on earth? And that's Christ himself, right? Christ, with all his wisdom, gave up any desire for self-promotion, self-help, self-gain. Christ, with all his wisdom, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead made himself nothing. He humbled himself Right, to be born in likeness of men. He gave up his own personal agenda to do what? To submit to the Father's cause. He gave himself up for the sake of others. And that was not a foolish decision of Christ, but that was in God's wisdom that Christ did that. So let us just consider how we might be able to follow that kind of wisdom. You see, Christ desired to bring us into reconciliation, those who were broken and lost. And God, could have, God the Father could have easily brought upon judgment the first time. But it was in his wisdom that he decided to extend his grace and his mercy so that I myself, so that all of us here who were on the outskirts, maybe not of the world society, but we were definitely on the outskirts of God's society, to be able to be welcomed in to the kingdom of God, to be welcomed in into his family through the blood of Christ, through faith. And you know, one day, one day when Christ returns, we're going to see just how wise God is. As we see how wise and good God cares for his people in the day when the new heavens and the new earth comes. But until that day, right, as we look forward to that day, but until that day, until Christ returns, I just want to ask and pray that we would go before the Lord. We would ask God to give us his heart and begin to ask God for wisdom. Why? Not for ourselves, but for others. Because God had given himself up for others as well. So let's just let's go before the Lord and just pray.
Just close our eyes and just go before the Lord and just pray right now. God, we come before you this morning. I, I just come before you this morning and I just thank you that your wisdom is a wisdom that is not selfish. Your wisdom is not a wisdom that looks to simply magnify yourself, but your wisdom is a wisdom that in the magnification of yourself, in the glorification of yourself, God, you extend grace and you extend mercy and that you bring in those who are broken and afflicted. So much so that you sent your son in your wise salvific plan, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. God, the world tells us that that is foolish, that that is stupid. But Lord, you are wise and your wisdom shows how kind and loving and gracious and good you are. And so I pray for myself, I pray for all of us here in this room that you would begin to extend to us that kind of wisdom. That kind of wisdom that doesn't seek to lift up our own agenda. That kind of wisdom that doesn't seek to just lift up our own names, our own pride. But a wisdom that loves others. A wisdom that cares for others. A wisdom that blesses and restores others into your kingdom. So God, would you just begin doing that right now? Father, would you just begin to just put on our hearts just the areas that we can seek wisdom from you. And so even as we sing a song to just worship you, Lord, would you just continue to do that work in us to look for you for a wisdom that blesses others. We just thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.